Welcome, everybody, to Marketing, Management, and Money, the show all things small business, uh, the show where we talk about growth by looking at the numbers. There's so many little taglines that we just <laughs> randomly throw out there. <laughs> but uh, today we are going to talk specifically about using data. Um, this is one that, well, you and I had a conversation uh, not too long ago where we were talking about how businesses, they want to just do that gut check. They, they want to just kind of feel their way through right. it, play by ear, if, if you want to use that term. Um, not necessarily a bad way to run a business, but definitely not the best way to run a business. Well, and I, f- I just think that if you've had any level of business classes, entrepreneur classes, any from high school through college, tech, whatever, you know, there's a lot of places that teach stuff like that. I just don't think that they're te- they teach the concept. Like I teach marketing, right. Or yeah. I teach finance or I teach social media or I teach, you know, one, one specific principle in it, but none of them ever actually tie it back to say, Hey, look, everything has to lead back to the numbers. Yeah. Yeah, and, and so that connection is never made because you're talking about individual concepts instead of the big picture, and that is everything needs to tie back to a number. And we're going to hit hard on this episode that I guess what we're trying to prove is the fact that everything in your business should come back to the numbers. And, and I'm going to make a bold claim without exception. And I'm going to back that up with a couple examples as we go throughout this episode. But without exception, everything should go back to the numbers. So can we start and by not, defining the numbers? Yeah, well, oh, okay, say, go ahead. That's exactly what I was going to say. We need to define numbers because numbers isn't necessarily just financial statements. Correct. Even though... Uh, that is a lot of it. Oh, well, and so I want to start there. When we say numbers, uh, you cannot be exempt from financial statements if you want to really grow a business. You have to have those financial statements. Now, I'm going to make an argument that says that you can have some modified financial statements. And this is is the uh, typical example that I'm going to give for a modified financial statement, and it has to do with cash flow. In business, cash is king. Uh, we've done plenty of episodes on cash, so if you want to check out kind of how we uh, we, lo- we look at doing cash flow, uh, we recently did a segment where we uh, pulled out the sources and uses of cash. Uh, so you know, if you really want to delve into cash, uh, you can do that. But that's not where I'm going here for a second. I'm just gonna blanket statement: cash is king. But this is what I'm gonna say. If you are in a very sophisticated, tight margin, um, uh, seasonal, uh, high receivables, high inventory, if you're in any of these businesses where it really matters to watch those numbers closely, then you have to use best practices. You, you, you can't go and compete against people that are really monitoring their cash flow and expect to be competitive if that's the industry standard. Right. But many, if not probably most, small businesses are not in that competitive of an, of an environment. And so what I've seen to manage cash flow is people will just use cash accounts and they'll just float a cash account. 
it's not very technical. They'll just do something like they'll say, hey, I've always needed $50,000 just set aside. So I've got $50,000 in liquid capital. And then I have a line of credit for another $100,000. And that's what floats me for the month. And, and honestly, that right there is cash management. It's not very sophisticated. It's I'm just going to grab a number. I'm going to hold on to that, you know, keep it in a, a checking account or wherever I'm going to keep it. And then I'm going to know where if I exceed that number, where I can grab a line of credit or, you know, where I have access right. to capital in a pinch. And, and they'll leave it at that. They're still managing by the numbers. They're still bringing it back to, uh, to a number. So that, that's kind of what I'm going to say is, Yes, financial statements, definitely required, but you can modify it. You can simplify it. Uh, you don't have to spend hours and hours just analyzing financials to do what we're talking about here and bring everything back to the numbers. Well, and, that, and I like that point because <clears throat> most of the time we just recommend that people are actively in working their financials. Okay, And actively depends on the number of sales I have. It depends on... Um, my expenses, you know, how many uh, invoices I'm processing. So, you know, if I'm processing a handful because I sell a larger product, you know, a handful a week, I, I can probably get away with it a week. But if I'm in a in a restaurant, per se, selling food, and I have, you know, 150 transactions every day, I better be doing something daily. Yeah, yeah. And so there, there's a lot to determine the type of industry. Uh, you know, restaurant was a good example. Retail can be a good example. If I've got a retail store and I've got a couple thousand different SKUs that are on the shelves, right. I need to have something sophisticated to manage that. But yeah, you need a good POS system. It, if, if I sell consulting services and I'm going to have five clients and I just bill them on a retainer and they're big clients because right. my average ticket is $20,000, I'm okay to not have it be so tight in, in terms of the numbers. Still going back to the numbers, though. Right. So can we talk a little bit about what are some other ways to bring things to the numbers? Well, when I think, I mean, sales, sales is a big piece, but sales has two components to me. You have the marketing side and then you have the financial side. Okay. And both of them, I think, should be tied back to numbers. Okay. So in sales, when I think about marketing and advertising, okay, then all of a sudden my mind goes to, all right, am I use, using good, good data mm-hmm. that's tied to demographics, uh, heat points, um, you know, understanding past sales and turn rates, mm-hmm. so, you know, those are all good data points, but then also I want to have that correlation to my sales and expenses that, you know, what am, am I, am, am I placing orders and do I have the resources on the backside to produce the orders? So I'm not creating other bottlenecks inside of the company. So I'm tied more back into the financials and the operations. So, so numbers are tied to everything. So even when you start on that front side with sales. So I, I want to dig into this a little bit. I feel like most entrepreneurs, most business owners, they are comfortable with the financial side of sales that you're talking about. 
putting it into a profit and loss statement. In fact, when people are looking at their financial statements, everyone gravitates to that sales number and they just want to know what that sales number is. And I actually appreciate that you said to you, there's two types of sales. Uh, I would actually put in maybe a third type of sales because I would split out the financial sales. There's the uh, money that is actually flowing through the company. And then there's the money that you're reporting that's flowing through the company. (laughs) And I'm not suggesting that, that you are, um, you know, cooking the books here, but I am suggesting, so, you know, here's a, a great example, sales tax. When I look at sales tax, uh, I've seen some businesses factor that in as a sale. And I'm like, it's not, it's a pass-through tax. You are expected to collect that sales tax and then you will pay that sales tax to the government. And so if you are counting that as a sale, you're artificially inflating your sales numbers to create sales that aren't really there. And when you get into ratio analysis, you're skewing your ratios, even by a percentage. Because, I mean, sales tax is coming in between, what, 6 and 8% on average. If you're yeah, in a hotel, it's quite a bit more. Yeah, it's quite a bit more. I don't remember off the top of my head. It's like 15 or something, 12. I don't know. It's a lot. Yeah. Well, and every state's different too, though. Correct. No. And... And what was crazy, you know, I was looking at uh, uh, some cities, depending where you're at in the city, also depends what the tax is. Correct. And, and, and so, you know, when you are getting into sales tax, you have two different sales numbers. And that's, that's kind of, you know, what I'm talking about with sales is don't just look at sales and say, oh, here's a sales number and that's everything. Understand what, what is building up that sales number. I look at other things like freight Um, if you pay for freight or if you make the customer pay for freight, uh, are you counting freight as a sale or are you counting? Yeah. And so it's, it's kind of, uh, and honestly, bottom line here is be consistent, uh, with how you're going to do it. Right. It's very important to just, if you're going to say that freight is part of the sale, then you need to always say that freight is part of the sale. If you're going to say that freight isn't part of the sale, don't like, don't all of a sudden have a big freight expense and say, oh, we need to add that because that's a lot. Well, both you and I have worked with businesses that at some point in time in the year uh, have bounced between how they've recorded stuff in journal entries (laughs) and sometimes multiple times. And now when you need to clean up books because you you need a loan and you got to clean up some stuff to turn in some financials, it's a nightmare to get cleaned up because you weren't consistent. So I, that is great, great advice that whatever you do, you stick with it because then if, if it isn't quite correct and you do need to make a change, it's easy because you know every one of those transactions was done the same way and it's easy adjustment. Exactly, exactly. So, okay, that's kind of the, the financial side of the sales. And I know we're moving quickly here. And the point of this episode is not to go in and give you every, uh, every tool you need to manage your financials. The point is to say, how do you tie things back to the numbers? Right. And so you talked about sales from marketing. And, you know, you look at marketing expenses – I have so many people that when I consult with them, they always want to say, well, you never know with marketing and you got to just try stuff. And there's an element to truth, uh, an element of truth to that, but there's actually more faults in there than truth. 
uh, in my opinion, because you're not just randomly trying things. You're using more or less the scientific method. And if you looked at, say, you know, your doctor who he said, hey, we're just going to randomly try some medications on you and see what happens, you become a test rat at that point. (laughs) But they're going to say, based on all of the symptoms, based on all of the charts we've looked at, based on what we know from data of these medications, we're going to try this medication for a specified period of time expecting these results. So it's very controlled. It's very scientific. Your marketing should be the same way. And this is how you bring marketing back to the numbers. Don't just do marketing. Don't just say, well, I know I need to spend money, so I'm, I'm putting money into something. Right, right. Like decide what what is my best avenue, and if you don't know, start eliminating what your worst avenues will be. Yes. You, you might not know what your best is, but you can easily identify some things that are really bad and get it down to a half a dozen options. And of those half a dozen options, there's nothing wrong with selecting one and saying, okay, I don't know if this is the best, but we're going to try it. Give it a time frame. That's another way to get to the numbers is with time frames. Calendars are very useful in business. Understanding seasonality, understanding right. business cycles, understanding you know yeah. when things hit and uh, how things move. Like you will not understand cash flow if you don't understand seasonality and business cycles. So you have yeah. to have a calendar tied up with your financial statements if you actually want to understand cash flow. And so when I'm looking at marketing, again, I want to have it on a calendar. I want to know what is my budget for the year, the quarter, the month, whatever I'm looking at, and what are my desired results, expected results? Right. What am I trying to accomplish with something? And then at the end of your marketing campaign, you either hit your results or missed your results. It should be that clear. You, you should never be sitting around the board table and, you know, the VP of sales and marketing is saying, well, this is what we're trying. And the CEO says, well, is that working? And the VP just says, we need more time. That, that's bad. Mm-hmm. Like if they say we need another quarter because we're noticing this trend and we want to follow this trend for another quarter and see where it goes, that's good because that's putting it with, with right. the numbers. But just saying, well, it's too early to tell, like that's not tying it back to the numbers. Yeah. That's a, I like the idea that even uh, bringing that word trend Mm-hmm. And patterns, because those help a ton with numbers that that if we know what what's been successful in the past and we know what those patterns look like, then when we start implementing uh, the new process or a marketing campaign, we we can base it off of what trends have done in the past. Hey, week two, it should be this. By week three, it should be this. We cap out at week four. Um, and then we start to taper down, you know, that the whole principle of the bell curve mm-hmm. in business that applies to so many things that if, if we'll take the time to put some, a little bit of effort and thought and structure into it, you can find that it, it becomes a really good guide for you in making decisions. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, even, even as simple as purchasing equipment, I had a conversation earlier today with an individual looking to purchase some equipment. And my first question was, okay, how much is it? What's it going to return? 
Mm-hmm. Well, I know what the cost is. What is it going to return? Well, I don't know, but I think that if I purchase this, it will do this. Okay, well, why don't, let's take a time, step back, let me ask some more questions, and let's figure out whether or not it is going to return that. You know, just because you've had two people asking for this type of a service and with that piece of a product you could, you know, or piece of equipment you could produce that product, that might be the only two people that have been asking. Mm-hmm. And are they large enough uh, clients to justify buying that piece of equipment? Right. How can we identify the future of new potential clients? Right. And if we can't, I, like, that's that, that's really uh, a key point of this whole episode is to say, if you just have a gut feeling on this, if phrases like just trust me are starting to come out of your mouth, <laughs> that is a red flag that you're ignoring the numbers. Or if, I love this one, son, I've been in this business longer than you've been alive. I'm getting old <laughs> enough that I don't get that anymore. <laughs> I used to get, when I first started business consulting, I had a lot of people, son, I've been in this business longer than you've been alive. I don't, it makes you feel old. When <laughs> they don't say it anymore. Yeah. But. When you're saying, uh, yeah, I've been consulting longer than you've been alive. Trust me. <laughs> but yeah, the, the second that uh, you have anyone that you know, just trust me. I've been doing this a long time. Uh, you know that, well, you can't do what I do because you got to just feel it. Yeah. Those are all excuses for, well, I don't really know the process well enough to explain it to you. And I haven't done my homework and I don't know what the numbers are. Or I'm afraid that you'll see how easy this business really is, so I'm trying to make it look more complicated. <laughs> That's real. That is real. There's so many people. Oh, yeah, you you wouldn't get I'm like, uh, what? Yeah, see, that's <laughs> this is taking a tangent, but it, it's uh, the person that comes up and says, hey, I have a business idea. Uh, you need to sign a non-disclosure because I, I can't afford this to get out because it's that good, right? Yeah. And as soon as you hear the idea, you're like, yeah, you're the fifth person this year that's shared that with me, right? <laughs> so let's talk about this one because I can share a lot of information because I've had to talk to a bunch of people. But but that's, you know, that's interesting because when someone thinks that they have such a great idea and yet they don't have numbers to back it, that's a huge red flag to say, hey, look, because it's just, just an idea. Yeah, that's right. So, a, a couple. We're on this tangent. I'm going to run down this tangent for a second. <laughs> if your idea stemmed from YouTube, it's not original, because everyone else is on YouTube too. <laughs> if you don't have a PhD or advanced certificates in some form of engineering, science, medical, then you didn't invent it. <laughs> And if you still have those, you probably still didn't invent that. Right? That's true. It probably if, just <laughs> made it better. If, if your wife all right. or husband isn't completely fed up with the hours you have spent down in your basement, <laughs> you didn't invent it. <laughs> so if, if this idea came to you while you were at lunch with a bunch of your friends, mm-hmm. 
there are 9 billion people on this planet. <laughs> I'm sorry. Someone else had the same idea over lunch. Doesn't make it a bad idea. I agree. And we're, we're not telling you don't do these ideas. Just saying, hey, if you really put some think, numbers to it. Put some numbers to it. <laughs> right. That's right. Uh, so, and, that, and that's what I say. I love when at the beginning you say, look, everything should, well, I say everything should tie back to number. You say everything, you know, has to tie back to everything. Yeah, yeah I, but, I make it more I, definitive, yes. Yeah, but I, I just, I don't care what part of business that it is. If we can't tie it to a number, there's usually a problem. Yeah. So I, I want to talk about another one, employees. Mm. And employee productivity. Yeah. Okay. And I've seen this go two ways. Uh, and the, the, these are on the negative side. I've seen it go uh, really good on the positive side. But I'm going to talk about the negative side here. Number one is you put no real number to the quality of that employee. And this is actually the most common. Because everyone thinks that it's too difficult to quantify the value of an employee. So when you're quantifying the value, if you're doing an annual uh, review, and we talked about this recently, mm-hmm. you waited way too long to do that annual review. It, you should be meeting with those employees. If you're the direct supervisor, you should be meeting with them every week or every other week. If you're not the direct supervisor, you should be talking to the direct supervisor and they should be reporting on anything that comes up. So, I mean, if you're in a big organization, there's 500 people that work in the organization. You're not meeting with everybody once a week. That's ridiculous. But you've got a chain of command that there's there's a way, there's a feedback loop. And that right there is what I want to hit on when I say the way to do it right is the employee feedback loop, and it needs to be quantifiable. You need to know what is the standard for feedback. How does an employee give feedback when they have uh, complaints, when they need additional training, when they want to share new ideas? What is the process for giving that feedback? And the reason why I say it needs to be quantifiable is it'll be too arbitrary and subjective if it's not quantifiable. If I think that I'm getting good ideas from my team, but I don't have a a process in place, I'm getting ideas from people who are more extroverted, people who have, you know, they like sharing ideas, they enjoy brainstorming. But the introverted personality type or the new person on the team or whatever, uh, you know, I'm, I'm stereotyping here, so I'm not trying to do that. But you're, you're going to get an imbalance of ideas. And so you need to have a way that when people give ideas, you're quantifying the value of those ideas, the frequency of those ideas. You're providing new opportunities. A, way, a simple way to quantify it is to say, we're going to have a brainstorming meeting once a quarter. You've now quantified it into once a quarter, and everyone gets to come and sit at the table and share their ideas. And you could even take it a step further and say, okay, how many ideas have I gotten from people over the years Am I getting a good balance of ideas? I'm putting numbers to it. And you don't have to go ridiculous with this. I think some people are going to listen to this and say, oh my gosh, I can't, I'm not going to, you know, count how many times I sneeze in a day. (laughs) You should. (laughs) But 
But when you're running a competitive business, there really is a lot of power in getting that methodical in your business. Well, and I, I think it's important to know that if it's done right and on the numbers and you're delegating a little bit here and there, people are feeding numbers back to you. You don't have to go dig it all up yourself, mm-hmm. right? And if you create a few systems to where they're just generating the numbers, to where I, they're just naturally coming across my desk, I can look and see what's going on. Um, you know, whether that's an expense report, profit and loss report, a production report, mm-hmm. uh, hours that employees are putting in report, um, you know, sales increasing, decreasing compared to what we're putting out in marketing dollars. Um, you can create, you know, by delegating things, you can have stuff like that coming across. And, and it, it you don't have to take that all on your own shoulders. Right, right. So, well, and okay, so this, I, I said I was going to do two points, uh, two negatives of, of what, uh, what I've seen with employees. The first one is uh, that not actually measuring employee uh, productivity, employee performance, not having any sort of metrics to that. Um, and then the other negative is assigning the incorrect metrics to what an employee is doing. So mm. I've seen organizations, they'll do something like sales per employee. That only makes sense if you are a sales organization. But yeah. if you've got the janitor who their job is to keep the office space clean, they generate zero sales. And if you're throwing them into a sales per employee metric, you're either pulling down the actual sales per employee of the sales team or you're putting undue pressure or responsibility on someone who's in a non-sales role. And, and so you got to be smart about what metrics you assign to it. Uh, one of the mistakes that I've seen a lot is when people, they'll read a book or they'll go to some sort of seminar and they don't understand that uh, industries operate very differently. I can do a sales per employee if I have a car lot and I'm going to measure all of my salesmen who are out there moving cars You know, in a month. I can say, okay, how many cars were you able to sell in a month's period of time? But if I am running a landscaping business and there's only one person who's out selling jobs and everyone else I want to look at the efficiency and I want to look at, you know, how many complaints they're getting, uh, maybe measuring uh, the number of complaints, making sure that that number stays very low. And and so I I can't take metrics from a uh, car lot and compare that to metrics from a landscaping business and think that I'm going to have the the same kind of metrics. Well, and and as we counsel people, (laughs) if it's done right, when you set up, that initial variable versus fixed expenses and mm. those costs. If it's done correctly in the beginning, you, you're separating that out so that naturally it's just trickling through your reports to do that. But if, if you're not set up to do that, then finding other means to do it is important so that you're, you're right. You're not uh, skewing the numbers, misleading you on how efficient you really are. Yeah. All right, can I throw another one out there that uh, sometimes people think is an unmeasurable? And I'm going to say, nope, it's a measurable. Are we good? Are we ready? I'm ready. Okay. Yourself. Ooh. As the CEO, as the owner of the company, whatever title you have given yourself, 
what kind of measurements are you putting, placing upon yourself? And you should be placing measurements upon yourself. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go story time here for a second. I love going to the gym. Uh, I try and stay active. All the sports that I like to do, I do a lot of backpacking. Uh, I do a lot of hiking. Uh, you know, I like to go skiing. And so very active sports. And so uh, for me, going to the gym is a big deal because I want to, you know, I want to have success in those sports. Well, about five years ago, uh, and I've always, I've always been active but uh, I started noticing about five years ago that I, I was kind of losing my edge. And, you know, I was getting older. Uh, my workouts were a little bit haphazard. You know, I'd go to the gym, kind of did whatever I felt like doing. It, it was very, very random. It was very typical of what almost everyone does. And, and so I, uh, I met with a trainer and I said, hey, give me a program. Let's get serious. And uh, he put together this program and it, it kind of blew my mind at first because I didn't trust that I could do the things that, you know, the, the amount of weight that, uh, that I'm supposed to be lifting and the intensity. And he's like, no, you'll be fine. And I did it and I actually was very successful with it. And it got me back on track with the level of uh, activity that, that I wanted to have. Well, when I got on this program, there was uh, another guy who was at the gym, and I noticed that every time I was there, he was there. Now, mind you, with my work schedule, I was going at different times. So it wasn't like I kept seeing this guy, you know, every Wednesday morning at 6. It was I'd see this guy Wednesday morning at 6, and then I'd see him Thursday afternoon at 4. And it, it looked like he lived at the gym. And so uh, I kind of noticed him a few times. You, you start to make friends with people that you see, and... And so one, one day I just talked to him and I said, hey, I see you a lot here. He's like, yeah, I work out six days a week and I've been working out six days a week for the last eight years. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, but when you looked at him, he didn't look very good and he was kind of out of shape. And I noticed that, you know, in, in the short period of time, like three months that I had been uh, doing my program, and he was there just as religiously as I was, I'm making huge gains, and he's not. And I looked at all the lifts that I was doing, and I'm doing a lot more weight. I started below him, and now I'm doing a lot more than he's doing. And I kind of just asked him, I'm like, so what's your plan? And he's like, I don't know. I kind of just do whatever. And he's like, I'm just, I'm addicted to the gym, so I love coming here, but I don't have a plan. And... Uh, because of it, he he wasted a lot of time. And so I'm going to bring this back into being a business owner. And I'm going to say, what's your plan? Just because you've been the owner of the business for eight years, and that's a huge error, is to think that the amount of time you've spent in the business has all been productive. I see a lot right. of business owners that waste a lot of time. They get stuck in ruts. They keep doing things in an inefficient way. They're afraid to try new things. Uh, they, they only know what they know, so they reach these plateaus and they can't get past them. And, and so as, you know, as the owner, what kind of metrics or standards do you have for yourself? How are you measuring yourself? That's why I'm going to hand it off to you and be like, okay, give us all the amazing wisdom of how to measure yourself as the CEO. That, that is such a tough one. It really is. 
Because because I think there's uh, hard numbers and soft numbers, meaning mm-hmm. hard numbers that, yes, I can show that departments underneath me are more productive, you know, they're more efficient, sales are increasing. But then I have soft numbers, which are, are my employees feeling uh, that they're improving? Do they feel self-fulfilled? Right. Those are the harder ones to yeah. quantify, but are for me just as important when it comes to people. Yeah. Well, and uh, I mean, I look at that and I say, okay, hard numbers and soft numbers. A lot of times you can infer some of those soft numbers by hard numbers, like yeah. turnover rate. Uh, yes. If you've got high turnover, how much responsibility are you claiming for that That's turnover? Right. That's right. And uh, I mean, you got to check the ego at the door here. It's it's tough. It's very tough to do. And anomalies happen. Weird things happen. All of a sudden, everyone is you know abandoning ship, and you feel like you're this awful yeah. boss or manager. And but that's you know what I I always say. Hey, look, if stuff like that happens, it's a good chance for you to actually now step back and say, Hey, let's look at the numbers. Let's look at the metrics. Yeah. And do they warrant that I should make a change? Yeah. I mean, cause if you're not improving in life, you're, you're either stagnant or you're dying. And if you're stagnant, you're, you're still dying. dying. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so I think that, you know, there's, uh, yeah, I get that on some physical things. Yeah. I'm, I guess there's going to be a point in time where I can't improve anymore. My body's just, it, degenerative but there's so many other things around business and principles and concepts that we can still be bettering ourselves well but that's interesting because business life cycles there are times where your business will not grow and will not improve and you have to expand beyond that Uh, i use this example a lot but it's a great classic example and that is general electric doesn't produce a ton of light bulbs (laughs) (laughs) like if they would have just stuck with making light bulbs then, yeah. you know, they're, they're into medical equipment. That's a huge part of their business. And so if they would have not realized that, oh, hey, the only way for my business to grow is to recognize that there's an arm of my business that is going to kind of die. Right. And, and that's actually the sign of a healthy business is where you have... Uh, we're familiar with the product life cycle. That's a pretty common uh, common concept. Uh, but business life cycle follows a very similar bell curve. Mm-hmm. And if you understand the product life cycle, you can take business life cycle and you can say, okay, how does that fit with me? What products are dying? What is my business dying? Have I split off my business into other areas? Um, but again... Do it with the numbers, because if you're just guessing that, uh, I don't know, things aren't as good as they used to be, well, is is it because the business is dying, or is it because you failed to recognize competition? And if you would just double down on that business, there's tons of growth potential. And if you don't have the numbers to back that up, you're just guessing. You're, you're just and, and you're guessing with a lot of money, a lot of people's livelihoods, it gets very risky. Yeah. Well, and it's true guy, that uh, if you're not tracking the numbers, you might think you're doing better or worse than what you really are. Mm-hmm. So tracking them and, and making a point of, 
of having those healthy comparisons, you know, how do we do two years ago to this year versus three years ago to this year versus, you know, how are we doing quarter by quarter and looking for those patterns uh, that are there. Cause I, that's the next thing with numbers is you get, you gotta have to make sure that there is a comparison in there yes. to, to understand what the number is in relationship to something else. Cause otherwise it's just a number and it doesn't help you make a decision. And I love the word that you use there relationship. Uh, when we say bring everything back to the numbers, we're saying don't make anything an Island. Don't make anything a silo. Tie it in to other aspects of the business because it's all related. There's a lot of relationships going on. And we're just using numbers to try and identify those relationships, which is kind of, and this will be maybe my concluding thought, is to say uh, you can take numbers too far. You can draw bad correlations. Uh, I always like to say that uh, um, correlation is not causation. You know, just yeah. j- just because the uh, moon came up last night and I got sick last night doesn't <laughs> mean that I get sick every time there's a full moon, even though they're a hundred percent correlated. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, numbers have a strength, but they also have limitations. But the more, and to add to your final point, I guess this is, would be my final point, that if you're, if you're working the numbers consistently, you weed out those correlation versus causations, right? Yes. Because you, you know the numbers, you've been doing it, versus when you start in the beginning, well, is there isn't? Well, sometimes we need some time to see what those patterns and those trends are going to be. Mm-hmm. So if, if you're consistently doing those, you'll find that that won't be a problem. Yeah. And, and I think that's an excellent thing to, uh, and to the point, I'm just going to wrap it up with that. That was a great, <laughs> great, great concluding thought. Is there anything else? No. Words of wisdom. I, I mean, you're, you're on fire today. So we're going to, I'm done. That's, <laughs> <laughs> I okay. gotta save something for other conversations. But the, the, the firework went out as <laughs> quickly as it ignited. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. This is Marketing Management Money. Uh, we do preach the numbers. Uh, we've got uh, Growth by the Numbers, which is one of our big trainings. But we also have other things that, uh, you know, if you look at uh, customer engagement, that uh, it's one of the trainings that we do that we like to tie into the numbers, five disciplines of marketing. It's a marketing training that's all about the numbers. So uh, if you want to check out a uh, complete list of uh, trainings available, go to jazzjune.com forward slash MMM. And we will catch you next time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.